Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. Pete Mitchell! And Peyton Jones. Pete Jones! <laughs> Pete Jones! You gotta do it like that. You've missed us, haven't you? I have so missed it. Dude, I love our podcast. <laughs> I've been listening to podcasts in the podcast vacuum. You know, we, we haven't done this for weeks because of the holidays. And uh, even though you were ready to... To roll on Christmas and New Year's. I was uh, like, yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. I sent the kids to the other room. I'm on Skype. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> your response was classic this morning. Hey, how's your baby doing? I, you know, I haven't seen her for a few days. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you should probably go look for her. You know, I actually have to watch the kids all day tomorrow by myself. <laughs> Do you know what kind of problems that's going to bring up? I mean, only I would know. Our listeners might have an idea, but only I would really know what kind of problems that's going to create. I actually, I I would totally, <laughs> we were just talking this morning about how cheap I am. <laughs> like I am <laughs> extremely cheap. I would actually pay for a babysitter. Come watch my kids for me. Why, why don't you tell them about the uh, best dollar you've ever spent? The best dollar I ever spent was this morning while I was waiting for you to hurry up <laughs> and get your car washed. <laughs> Dude, I have never, ever seen car washers take so long. I got the fancy car wash this morning. Like, normally I'm like five bucks, you know, zip through. You don't even get out of your car. This morning I did the whole, you know, get out, pick your package, go through the funnel. They try to sell you all kinds of crap. Here's a free air freshener. You come out the other side. You feel like you, you know, just spent nine months through gestation and you got like popped out the other end. Then they wave and yell at you, hey, but I'm waiting forever and this dude is like going to town in the nook i can see him like lifting the handle on the door and like going in there and getting the grime i'm like man this is money well spent 
Pete was telling me, I'll just tip him a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you called. You're like, how much do you tip the car guy? I go, I'm cheap. A buck. And you're like, just a dollar? I'm like, he needs to be happy. He has a job in this economy. He's working. He's gainfully employed. <laughs> Then I told you, oh, but this is like the $40 car wash. I get these like once every five years as a church well, see, planner. That would like, make me tip less because I'd be like, I just gave you guys $40. <laughs> that that demands. Well, the I was torn because I'm like, Pete says in America, give him one, two dollars. And then, you know, because remember, I've been living in Europe. But the see, economies change a lot. My, my thinking on it is, what are they going to do? Not wash my car the next time it comes around? <laughs> He will not go after the door handle nooks and crannies. I'm just saying. And so anyways, I'm sitting there torn and I'm like, you know, I, I call you. I go, I got a 10. Do I break that into a five? Give him a five. But then I got $2 in my pocket. It, 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 like, what should I be doing? And uh, like the pizza guy, I know now the rules, five bucks when the pizza guy. Comes, oh, my right? gosh. You give the pizza guy five dollars. Yeah. Two, baby. Three. If I'm feeling generous. <laughs> Do you ever wonder why your pizza's cold and has saliva on it? And <laughs> extra <teasing>. flavoring. <laughs> so anyways, I'm sitting there just going like literally, I keep walking up to my truck and he hasn't waved the like red flag to the bowl yet. Hey, 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 come over here. So I'm, I'm just sitting there going, come on. Like first I should be happy, right? Like no one ever cleans those nicks and crannies, but I just wanted him to finish so I could go. Because you're captive there the whole time. I still don't know why you did that right before we were supposed to record the podcast. I didn't know that Pete Mitchell was too cheap to put money in the Skype account. You're like, oh, I can't call you on Skype. I got to put a dollar in there. I, I don't know how but, to do it. But I, tell him about do the dollar that you spent. Well, Church Planner, before we get to that, we're going to tell you there. this is the Church Planning Podcast. We will talk about church planning. And today's topic is... Oh, that's a good question because I got two. I'm a man with two brains this morning. I think today we're going to talk about contextualization. That's a big word. I would really like to contextualize that. But before we get to that, <laughs> let me just uh, let me just ask you something, Peyton. It's a new year. Uh, time for us to get things, you know, going properly with church. Let me ask you something. Have you been using PayPal as a cheap and easy placeholder to take money online for your tithing at your church? Well, I was in 2015, but I've made a New Year's resolution to be smarter and wiser, Pete. Woohoo! Because MoGiv just signed up for another quarter worth of sponsorship of the <laughs> Church Planner Podcast. And as an yep. official sponsor, we want to say go to MoGiv.com forward slash church and sign up for MoGiv.com forward slash church right now. <laughs> Four months. I, you know, I saw that and I'm like, okay, that's not a quarter. That's, that would be three months, but they signed up was for, it for four. four. I thought it was four, but I didn't want to overcommit them on the podcast publicly. <laughs> it like, was, it was four. And I'm going, huh? I think they're checking us out now. They might be listening. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll sign up for them anyway. <laughs> so, sign up for them, even if you quit them after a month, guys, because then they'll, they'll see that it came through the podcast and they'll keep funding it. Actually, don't quit him a month later. No, keep don't doing quit it. him a month later. We're teasing. I was on the phone with them this morning, believe it or not. I had a question. I call. I get straight through. I go, hey, I need to know how to. I need to compare December's giving campaign uh, of this year to last year. And he goes, boom, 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 boom. Just done. Like the dude calls me was back or I get him on the phone. It's awesome. Was it? No, I mean, was it an increase or a decrease between years? I don't know yet. Oh, you haven't looked at it? That's what I want to compare. 
Yeah, I'd be curious too. I'm curious just because I'm a numbers guy. I'm a numbers guy running in the business, not the business of yeah. church, but other businesses. That's well, since there. I've been hanging out with you, I actually pay attention to stuff like that now. Yeah, you really are not a math faster. I know that's no. the other sponsor, but man, are you not a math faster? No, not at all. Numbers scare me. It's amazing to me, actually. Yeah, it is. But hey, well, anyway, so back to the 99 cents. Can, the best can I say something real quick? That's the only reason I'm probably really a church planner is I never understood the numbers and how poor I'd actually be. <laughs> yeah, well, no, you know, I don't know. I just I look at the church numbers and I'm like, man, this is the kind of church like our church, the refuge Long Beach. You you have to um, you have to rely on God because I Still, to this day, I'm like, every month, I don't know where this money comes from because it ain't coming from the people going to the church. No, dude, I'm telling you, it is It is when you are faithful. It's like Jesus said, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added. God has been adding. We have put mission as priority. We've gone after people. Uh, like Jesus says, when you throw a banquet, do it for those who can't repay you. And the father who sees in secret will himself bless you. That's a kingdom principle. We've been seeing that in action. I remember you as a treasurer, <laughs> your hair was turning like fire. Remember? Cause it, oh, you know, dude, when it turns yeah, white, no, it turns I, like I, flame. And you're like, I can't keep doing this. It's freaking me out. And I did. I, I quit. I, I'm like, I'm not going to be the treasurer anymore. I'm like, this is no, I, you guys, I don't like how you run this. I don't like. These numbers like this, I don't like the, you know, the reserve account so low. I'm like, no stinking way. I'm not doing this. I'm out. Yeah. And yet, you know, boom. I know. And yet, it keeps going up month after month. I don't know about going up. It's certainly not month after month. But the point is there's there's always enough money in there. And I don't know how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying I don't. I don't get it. But uh so tell us about your 99 cent purchase. I bought 101 Yo Mama jokes on Amazon.com Kindle download. And uh, pretty much uh, while I made you wait, you made me pay. I kept getting all these texts come through. Yo Mama's so ugly. <laughs> <laughs> if I had it my way, I would have given you the whole 151 Yo Mama jokes over the course of uh, over the course of your your car wash, but I didn't. That needs to be like a Kickstarter project where we have tweetable Yo Mama jokes that you just press a button. It's almost like a, uh, you know, somehow it's like an app. Like you can just tweet out. Your mama's Yo Mama's so fat she walked in front of the TV and I missed three shows. <laughs> I think that's funny. I think that's hilarious. That was probably the best one. Or Yo Mama is so ugly that when she tried out for Star Wars, they wouldn't even give her a costume. <laughs> That was one of my Did favorites. I send you the one, your mom was so ugly that when she was walking around in the middle of September, people were like, oh, Halloween came early this year. <laughs> yeah, that one was pretty good. That was pretty good. That was like a, 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 a you know, a jab, 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 right hook. You know, you get the knockout one. But uh, I got to say, because, um, you know, now people are judging us. New people listening to the show, you don't understand how the Church Planner podcast works. We are peanut butter and jelly. We're like a sandwich. Uh, basically what happens is we're going to get to the peanut butter and you're going to be able to crunch on it and it's going to be, you know, nutritious and even tasty. But, uh, for a while you just got to put up with the jelly or you got to scrub forward. But, uh, but anyways, you know, I, I was thinking like, I know your mom. That's the problem. You don't know my mom. You've never met my mom, but I know your mom. No, no I didn't know if I should be sending your mama so fat or your mama so skinny. It's got them both covered. <laughs> 
Well, my mama is short and skinny. Well, um, it does have your mama so short, and it does have your mama so tall. Like one of the your mama so tall was your mama so tall. She high fives God. No, uh, that's pretty good. But you know, my uh, my mom, my mama is actually uh, let's see, she is one half uh, inch short of being technically a dwarf. Oh, I don't mean dwarf. I mean a little person. Dwarfs have axes. I mean a little person. So, so, so she's one half inch taller. Yes. Did I say shorter? Oh yeah. Sorry, man. I meant taller. I told you I'm not good with this numbers thing, man. (laughs) Yeah, no, I get it. That's kind of funny. And that explains why, you know, yeah, Yeah, don't say it. You're a healthy five, six. What are you? (laughs) Seven and a half baby. And the half matters. Dang it. We'll see five, seven and a half. It's not really that. Are we just going out to offend every single person? Hold on, on I got to write down this time because I got to cut that out. (laughs) That's got to go out. (laughs) I think we might have broken a record in 2016 for all the people we just offended. See, here's the reason why you can't go away for two weeks and then Uh, come back and go, time for the podcast. (laughs) Time for the podcast because... I've got to have an outlet for this. It's got to come out. I'm just marriage therapy for you. You get it all out, and then you're cool with Jamie, you know, and then, uh, oh, man, that is so funny. Oh, my gosh. She's just learned to turn me off. That's all. That's too bad we had to cut that, because that's probably, Pete, honestly, one of our funniest (laughs) moments on the podcast. I I don't think I've ever laughed so hard on our podcast. If you don't know what we're talking about, I I just said something so inappropriate. Not (laughs) vulgar, but inappropriate. No, not, not, not immoral like the second it came out of my mouth i was like hate mail to no end i gotta cut that out so and and it was at my expense as well which was okay it was it was about being short but uh yeah you had a little spice in there didn't you i don't know it it, i i had i had some (laughs) like i better shut up i had jimmy chunga for breakfast that's all i can say did you really no you're my hero no, he did. I That's did. awesome. Chimichanga for breakfast. Yeah. So, so what's going uh, on with you, man? Yeah, You've been so, gone for two weeks. Well, I know your mom going back to mama, jo- you know, from the inappropriateness back to, you know, your mama jokes. Um, you, uh, I know your mom. And so I'm thinking, what can I say about Pete's mom is like, she's a pastor's wife. She's super holy. Oh. She's nice. So I, I shot you a, yo mama so holy. And uh, you didn't take the bait. You didn't hit me back. Oh, is that what I was I supposed to do? A uh, how holy yeah. is she? <laughs> no, you were supposed to complete that. Oh, I didn't realize I was supposed to complete yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. tall one high fiving God though. That's kind of close. It's, sorry, it's just not that funny. Okay, is so, your mom tall? No, no. I think she's like five five. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So my mom's like four ten and a half. My dad's he's like six foot. Yeah, he's a big dude. So I'm like. I don't know. I'm I'm five ten. Yeah, I'm like nothing. I'm just, I wish I were five eight. That's all I want. Another I'm five half ten. Inch, but here's the thing: inch. I carry a presence about me, and so people back away. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's all attitude with you, Mitchell. Because man, I tear them up. I tear them up. So well, uh, I got to share this. I know. I know you were talking, but I got to share this because you made me think about it. So last night, I'm at our favorite watering hole. Without you, I yep, can't go anymore. Yeah, why not? <laughs> That's another talk for another podcast. But go on. <laughs> New Year's resolution, no more <laughs> no more islands. <laughs> so, I'm there and uh so w- what I like to do when I go to islands for dinner is I'm usually sitting there at the bar 
And by I yourself. Bring, yeah, by myself. Alone. Well, you're never alone at the bar. But I'm also like not the friendly guy, right? I'm not the guy who's like chatting to everyone around me. So I'm uh I'm reading. So I bring my iPad and I'm reading I'm reading Barnabas Piper's uh The Pastor's Kid book. And I'm like, and I told you this before, because I, we're getting we're getting him on the podcast. He speaks my love language, man. He completes me. <laughs> he understands the pain that I go through. I'm telling you right now, if you have kids and you are in any way involved in ministry, you have to read that book because what he says is spot on what your kids are going to go through. And you've got to be aware of it, or you're going to have the typical pastor's kid who everyone's like, oh, you're a pastor's kid. They know you're a little terror. Oh, yeah. I'm just telling you right now, you got to read it. Awesome. It's going to be my list. It's going to be on my list of most uh, you know, required reading for church planners. That's awesome. Hey, speaking of books, is there a book I should be talking about today? You know, as a matter of fact, there is. Uh, there's a book that we need to uh, give proper mention to because they bring out the pain of church planning. Bring on the pain and unleash the Kraken. What's the Named book? J.D. Payne. What? Apostolic Church Planning. What? Say what? Come on, fool. If you ain't listening to J.D. Payne talking about church planning, you ain't listening to smack. Tell me about this book by J.D. Payne. J.D. Payne. He opens up a can of apostolic church planting on an unsuspecting church planter world, my friend. And uh, this book is really good. It's um, it's pretty much the missing equation for uh, church multiplication. Um, and uh, if you uh, want to know uh, kind of the idea behind uh, what Paul was doing, that's what J.D. Payne is laying down. And the name of the book again, please? Apostolic Church Planting. And we thank you guys for being a sponsor of the Old Church Planner Podcast. But your time's just about up. <laughs> One more week. <laughs> so, um, already paid, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so we're those good. guys, those guys. That was the publisher <laughs> that called us, man. I'm like, you pay up front. I don't give you a chance to back out of this deal. The money's gone. Ba-ching. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, so, uh, we about ready to get into our topic. We are. And I don't even remember what you said because it was a really confusing topic. So the uh, the word for today class is What's contextualization. Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> ah, have you seen that clip with Chewbacca? What if uh, instead of his, which is your handy soundbite, you want to play it? I got to find it again. Why you do that to me? I don't know. I, that's, I, that's usually the one that's like right within you know. It's arms not of not that one. I, the one where he's just doing his. Ah, that one's always <laughs> handy. So instead of that, it's got um, Pee Wee Herman going, ha! <laughs> Dude. Why didn't you send me that clip? I've not seen that video. Oh, my gosh. It's funny. Okay. Oh, oh dude. Yeah. It's so great. <laughs> the Star Wars where they overlay Pee Wee Herman with Chewbacca. Uh, the whole thing. Have you seen the Darth Trump video? Yes. Yeah, you oh sent that Oh, my gosh. Me. These are good videos. Luke kept going, who is that? I go, it's Darth Trump. He's all, Darth Vader? I go, no, Darth Trump. Where's Darth <laughs> Vader? 
<laughs> like he did not understand what was going on at all. Well, you know, Liberty Seven, she doesn't have any idea who Donald Trump is. And we're in bed and uh, we always do what's called funny video after you do her Bible reading and prayer and a song. And uh, we're laying in bed and uh, and I'm playing this because uh, I'm waiting for her to brush her teeth. She comes in and she watches the whole thing. And at the end, she's like, Daddy, that was really funny. So she got the humor in it just because his voice is so stinking funny as Darth Vader. Yeah, I love how he starts talking about one thing and then he's like, I don't know where to go with this. Quick, quick switch <laughs> to something else. And it's like <laughs> so obvious when you play the clips back that he's like, oh, yeah. Anyway. Oh, it's great when he goes, you know, I like the Christianity. You know, I think it's uh, it's been a helpful, helpful uh, religion. You know, I believe in it very much. And then uh, it has a guy at the table going, Lord Vader, don't try to frighten us with hokey religions and your sorcerer's ways. Oh, it's great, man. It's just classic stuff. It takes sound bites from Trump and put it in Darth Vader. We were supposed to be done with Smack Talk, but apparently. Uh, okay, enough jelly. Smack Talk's now not done with us. Now for the peanut butter. All right. Give me some peanut All right. butter. All right. So, uh. Here we go. Straight into the goober. Um, We are going to be talking about contextualization. Now, that's a big boy word. And a lot of people can't handle the big boy. I can't stop smack talking. Can't handle the big boy words. Contextualization. Check, um, please. (laughs) It it basically is is talking about how you um, approach people with the gospel. So kind of like when you're in English class, it's, it's a sociological term, but... Um, when you're in English class, your teacher would talk about, you know, put that quote or put the conversation into context. What's the context of this story? What's the setting? And so when you're looking at um, bringing the gospel to a place, you have to look at the context. So contextualization becomes the process of adapting the gospel message um, in the way that you're going to approach people to where they're at, not where you're at. So, for example, if I take, um, you know, like, a, a, you know, let's take a Dutch Reformed church somewhere uh, in, in America, middle America, where, you know, they've got hundreds of people, they're speaking, um, you know, they're quoting uh, Richard Baxter, you know, the Saints Everlasting Rest, Charles Spurgeon, Martin Lloyd-Jones, and they're playing pipe organ and singing, you know, 16th century hymns. Um, reading out of the old King James. And then we go into inner city Long Beach or LA or maybe, you know, Southern California. It's going to miss. It's not going to hit people because you're not speaking to people from a Dutch reform background. And so the gospel, you can still communicate all those same truths, but it has to change and it has to, um, it has to be spoken and communicated, the church has to approach people in a way that fits the context. And so a lot of times the church planners, what they do is they go from the mothership and they plant a church. It's a carbon copy of what they came from. And like, for example, guys go to uh, church plant internationally and they might go to China and think, you know, I came from a Calvary chapel or a Baptist church and I'm just going to go smack dab into the you know, uh, whatever province and boom, I'm going to smack down a church that is like what I came from. And it's nothing like that. And so Jay Hudson Taylor years ago, 1800s, he realized that wasn't going to work. And he was in a lot of the early pioneers of missionary work. They learned to contextualize the gospel for the people they were going to, um, 
uh, reach. And that means basically they adapted to culture. And Paul talks about this in the scripture where he says, I became all things to all men. So it's not something that we made up. It's not something we stole from sociologists. It's something that a lot of guys use the word throughout about and never define it. And it's kind of like one of those words where, you, you know, I, I got to interrupt because I got to ask you a question. Cause, cause I'll keep talking forever. Well, you know, but you brought up this, this character, Paul. Oh, that guy. And I actually have a genuine question here. You know, when he says, uh, you know, I want to talk to you guys about uh, the unknown God, right? Because they, yeah. they had the, you know, altar or whatever it was. Key to example them. right there. Yeah. Go on. Now, in that culture, now I don't, this is why it's a genuine question. I don't know the answer to this, so I'm genuinely asking this. The culture that he was addressing, were they doing sacrifices and things like that to all of their idols? So would this have been an idol that they would have been, you know, giving sacrifices to and things like that? Yeah, you know, um, I'm I'm not exactly sure about whether or not they were sacrificing to that god, but um, but pagan worship involved all kinds of sacrifices. So, it for did, example, right? yeah. you know, having sex was a sacrifice at the temple. Um, you would pay money for it. That money would be a sacrifice. The the sexual act, the food. You would give food. Yes, you would. You would slaughter animals. That's where the meat sacrifice to idols came from. And you can only guess, but apparently Athens at that time, um, there's been a lot of research done to show that Athens was kind of the cesspool of idolatry. It was where every idol imaginable was there. And because they, you know, it even says that on Mars Hill, they were, they were, you know, always looking to hear some new thing. They were, they were looking to always collect these 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 novel ideas they had. It's kind of like the internet, right? Oh, that's new. But uh, yeah, you would assume that it would be. It would be something they'd sacrifice. Because I'm willing to bet. I mean, that's kind of what my takeaway is from it, right? Is like they had all, every idol you could think of. And hey, and in case we missed anyone, we got this one over here. And then Paul. That's goes what in it was. There. Yeah. Yeah. And then Paul goes in there and uses that. Let me tell you about this unknown God. Let me tell you who this is. And he uses that to share with them who Jesus is. And so the thought that goes through my head is I'd be willing to bet money that if he did that in today's day and age, church leaders would be up in arms and like, how dare you, you know, defile the gospel and associate with this unknown God idol. And I'm just saying, I I could just see that happening. Yeah. And we've talked about things <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> we've talked about things like this before where um, basically you're looking at things like, um, uh, you know, Bono talking about, um, you know, uh, karma. And and it's, it's, it's kind of more acceptable to mention this now. I think enough preachers have seen the brilliance and what he said and what he was doing is we all know that people have embraced Eastern mysticism. Um, it's okay to talk about karma. I mean, shoot, you know, there was, uh, my name is Earl, you know, that entered, you know, kind of mainstream and that was funny, but people kind of believe in that in the business world. People say, oh, you know, it's good karma, low, low, good karma for the day. And, uh, it's entered into the mainstream, uh, in the West. And so as, uh, you're talking about karma, Bono comes in and he goes, every religion, when it boils, when you boil it down has to do with karma. 
That's true. You look at the majority of religions out there, Buddhism, Hinduism, um, you know, Shintoism, all, all of these religions, it has to do, and, and not so the much. Force, the force. The force has to do with karma. And so the idea is that if you do good things, good things happen to you. If you do bad things, bad things happen to you. Now the brilliance is, all of a sudden you're going, well, no, no, not the Judeo-Christian ethic. That doesn't. And what Bono does, and this is masterful, he says, you know what? He goes, the difference with the Judeo-Christian religion is that it says it, it doesn't happen multiple times in multiple lifetimes. You meet all your bad karma on the other side once it's called the judgment and he defines it and that's fair right that's fair every you do bad things bad things are going to happen to you in other words the judgment of god is going to come and then he goes now here's the thing if karma is my judge i'm screwed and then he goes on to say personally i'm holding out for grace he goes the beauty of the gospel is that jesus understanding the bad karma against us decided to introduce a concept called grace where he takes all of our bad karma for us and gives, and, and all he's doing is talking about substitutionary atonement, um, which, you know, I, I love it when guys want to redefine Christianity like they're smarter than the last 2,000 years and do away with it, right? And uh, he goes, basically, look, you know, Jesus came, Bono gets the gospel. Some of these guys with PhDs don't get the gospel. Bono gets the gospel. A child gets the gospel. You understand Jesus dying on the cross, what that means. And Bono just goes, he gives me all of his good karma. Now I can have that conversation with a believer and explain the gospel in two minutes. Mic drop. Without going into the Old Testament Levitical system, I can literally contextualize the gospel like Paul did, save myself a bunch of time, make it super relevant. Now to the statue of the unknown God, that's who I want to talk about. You understand karma? Let me explain the gospel in terms of karma. Now, missionaries have been doing this for hundreds of years. Yeah. I mean, I remember part of that interview. I mean, the, the line that always stuck out to me was he's like, yeah, I totally believe in karma. That's why I'm so thankful for grace. Yeah. He, he, says, he says in it, personally, I'm holding out for grace. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. Holding out for grace. If I ever write a book about Bonoism, which is my particular denomination. No, I'm teasing. I, I have a denomination, but uh, Bonoism, that, that would be a great uh, title for a book on Bonoism. Isn't it amazing how quickly uh, Christians will throw someone under the bus if they don't agree with 100% of their theology? Like one little thing is off, and they're like, you know, he's he's – Truly, he's evil. You just, you guys have been duped all these years. Yeah. And I mean, but the, I mean, and I don't just mean that about Bono because I mean, every once in a while he'll say something that I'll be like, I don't agree with that. But like, we're, we're just so willing to throw people under the bus, just throw them under the bus. You mean because they're not perfect? Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much. Yeah. You, you but, Bono but comes on by and their say standards. Something. Like, there are some things in the Christian community that we don't all agree on. Yeah. Yeah. And it doesn't mean I'm going to throw out everything. Some guy says like, I mean, I, I think a prime example of this is uh end times theology. Yeah. yeah. It's not clear in the Bible. I don't care what anyone says. It's not clear in the Bible at all, which is why one of the best lines that, that I ever heard was by you. 
And I'm going to quote, quote a little Peyton Jones on you. Cha-ching. I actually used this on Mike Berry and it's like, he was like, wow, leave it to Peyton to just shut me down like that. Because <laughs> we were talking about end times or something like that. And the line you had used was, if God wanted us to know exactly what was going to happen, he would have given us an epistle, not a revelation. And Mike was like, Okay, I can't. I, I can't come back. <laughs> I can't come back against that. You know, but um, but like, there are so many times when you know someone will be like, "Oh, I'm a pre-trib. I'm a post-trib. I don't believe in the trib or whatever." And or, or I'm a, uh, you know, I believe it already happened. The the stuff in Revelation, and, and I'm like, oh, well, then I got to throw out everything they have to say. Yeah, you know, it's funny because uh, whenever people are are talking like they're you know experts on Revelation and popping off about eschatology. Uh, the the best thing to say to people is, you know, I was reading Revelation. It's funny. You really seem like you got to figure it out. You know, if you can explain the seven thunders to me, I'll, I'll totally believe you have the key to this book. Because it, Revelation hardwired into it is, this, you know, you got the seven plagues, seven vials, seven trumpets, and then you got the seven thunders. And John goes, what are those? And the angel goes, never mind about those. Those aren't for now. <laughs> so revelation right away is telling you hey th- this is just partial guys this is vision it's a little bit of mystery um you're not meant to understand it point by point verse by verse um and there's these seven thunders revelation is just telling you you're not going to understand all this boom hardwired in yep yeah so anyway back on with your story yeah so back to contextualization um, so, it, you know, great, neat, nifty title, um, you know, fascinating. Uh, you taught us a new vocabulary word. We understand the principle. What do we do with it? Right. So what do you do then with contextualization? So how do you contextualize the gospel? Well, um, the first thing you got to do, you know, you you brought up and I'm so happy you did. You brought up um, Paul in Athens. First thing the Bible says, you know, Paul's waiting for his friends to get there in Athens. That's the cool part about it. Paul didn't plan on being there. He's just waiting. He's meeting them up, uh, meeting up with them, and they're taking a while. And so he just decides, I'm just going to walk around the city. And he walks around the city. He gets to know them. Um, he, He observes. He's got his eyes open. And that becomes the foundation uh, for missiology is kind of like Nehemiah he gets to Jerusalem and he walks around the city late at night. He rides around, he gets off his horse, he, he explores, he goes to the ruins and he decides, he assesses the damage. First thing you got to do is get out and hoof it. Walk around your city, start doing some prayer walks. Um, you know, get around, go into the shops, you know, talk to people. Have conversations. Say, hey, I'm new in the area. You know, what can you tell me about this community? What's the good about living here? What's the bad about living here? What's wh- What do people really need? What do they live for here? You get into those kind of conversations. You don't tell them, hey, I'm a church planner from, you wait. You don't upfront them with that because they're not going to want to talk to you. You know, they're going to be like, oh, a religious person. You want the honest answers. Paul just kept his mouth shut, but his eyes and ears open. So um, you, you probably have the same thing, Pete, going on in uh, in the world of uh, marketing. You wouldn't just jump in and go, "Hey, I'm a marketer," and uh, and 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 I hate guys. I'm not comparing, uh, you know, gospel work to marketing, but it's the same principle. Almost anything in life, you could be a doctor. You're not going to like prescribe a medication without 
examining your patient, right? You're not going to jump in, Pete, and market without first looking at your target audience, right? I mean, you're going to look at who's my audience? Who am I marketing to? Am I going to market to, you know, housewives on Pinterest or am I going to market to, you know, uh, 20-year-olds on uh, what's the one right now, Snapchat, or maybe go to middle-aged people on Facebook, right? You're looking at your target audience, correct? Always, yeah. Being able to to actually just go and be a part of the community. Like if you want to reach that community, go hang out with people in the community. Join um, sports in that community. Join uh, social activities going on in that community. Shoot, man, go take karate or something. You know, just get to know people. Hang out with people in that community. Go walk dogs, you know, hang out in the park. Talk to parents. Um, people are always saying, man, I meet so many people with my kids, you know, blah, blah, blah. But just hang out. Just be a dude in that community. So um, you're telling me I need to become a ninja master. Pretty much. All I took from that was take karate. Oh, yeah, most definitely. So, okay, I know we're not smack talking now, but... My daughter, I'm so proud of her, right? We were up north. We came down through San Francisco. My wife wanted to go to Japanese tea garden. My daughter could get anything in that store. What did she pick out? Samurai sword. (laughs) She took it to school today for show and tell. But it is wood. It's wooden. So proud of her. I'm just saying I hope. That's my girl. I'm sorry. So I took you totally off track. Easily done, my friend. Please go back to the track. Okay, well, you, you got to hop on with me because I am talking an awful lot. So so that raises a question. You can't talk. Just me. I saw your mouth moving like, <gasps> no, no. I, that was just to throw you a bone. But uh, here's a question. Do you think, saying what I'm saying, do you think or how important do you think it is for a church planner who is going to be uh, planting in an area, we're talking about contextualization, how important it is for that guy to move into that community. That, that's a, you often hear people making assertions about, you know, you have to live in the community if you're going to church plant there. What do you think about that? Well, I would say you don't have to do anything. However, I would say you are going to have a much easier time connecting with your neighbors than you are with uh, reaching total strangers. Because you're not in Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Like, here's the thing. I got a buddy. Um, I should say, you know, he 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 and I used to work together. This is years ago. And his regular day job was a cop. He was a, a cop in Anaheim. I think it was Anaheim. And Anaheim had a special deal. If you were a cop and you were going to buy a house in Anaheim, they, like, helped out with your down payment. Because they wanted you to live in the city. And most of the time they didn't want to live in the city. Like they didn't want to live in the city that they were policing. Cause then they like run into people at the stores and whatnot. And like, he'd even told me, he's like, yeah, sometimes I'll be someplace and you know, I'll just be like, you know, someone will come up to me. Hi officer. And you know, his name. And he's like, I'm just going to turn around and leave here. Right. Cause it's, it's kind of weird, you know, when you start mixing things like that, but, being a pastor is kind of like the exact opposite. You are trying to reach those very people, right? You're not trying to lock them up and put them in jail. You're trying to literally let them free. Absolutely. So I think living in the community would be a huge, huge boost. Oh, yeah, most definitely. And and here's the thing is I've planted where I have lived in the community, and I've planted where I haven't. 
And so Refuge Long Beach's story, man, it'd be a totally different animal if I had been in that community. Would have made things tons easier. What it, what it has done by me not living in that community is it's empowered other people to do stuff that, uh, that, that normally probably everyone would have waited for me to do. And uh, like, for example, um, right now we've had two deaths. And uh, with those deaths, we got Mike Bonomo. And uh, he is acting as a shepherd. He's handling everything to do with those deaths. He's, he's basically operating as the shepherd on our leadership team. Uh, whereas Chris is like a teacher. I'm the apostolic guy. And I'm pulling out completely this month. I mean, I'm done. But the reality is, um, had I lived there, um, I probably would have been the guy to go to that, you know, if it, or people would have expected me to go to that. I, would, I wouldn't have probably uh, accepted that. But that's, you know, when Paul goes to Thessalonica, I, I, I think it's way better. I think it's 10 times better if you can live in that community. But the reason I bring this up is that uh, Paul the Apostle goes to Thessalonica and he is driven out of town within two weeks. Um, he has to, to go over to the neighboring city because a circumcision group comes, starts a riot. They've been chasing him everywhere he goes. They find him. They kick it off. He has to escape. He goes and he camps out. But because he's kind of the, the, the lightning rod for the persecution, his guys are able to steal back into Thessalonica and continue the work. And when he writes the epistle to, to the Thessalonians later, what you get a sense of is he is writing um, to an empowered group of people. They have themselves become gospel workers in his absence. And uh, just, just bringing up a, a case in point here, in Refuge Long Beach, um, as I'm leaving, what's interesting is we've sent out a number of, of church planning teams and it's kind of like our first stringers went, our second stringers went, our third stringers rent went, and now we got people that <laughs> they were even on the bench, man. We're picking people now out of the stands, and we're saying, "Hey, you know, we need you to to raise up." And and that's what's happening. These people are rising up, and the people now. If you looked years ago, two three years ago, the people we have now. They would have never. Oh, I said this on the JD Payne interview. I'm not JD. JD Greer interviewed the other day. Um, that you know they would have never been leadership material, um, and yet that's the beauty of it. That's what Jesus does with the disciples. And um, so, yes, I think it's helpful to to move into that community, um, and then you know uh, it makes it a lot easier. But if you can't, so in my situation, I couldn't. Um, it's, it's harder, but I can tell you, contextualization happens a lot uh, easier when you're there. If I had been a Long Beach resident, I myself would begin to think like a Long Beach person, right? I would yeah, I've thought about that a lot um, because I noticed that you don't think like a Long Beach person. No, actually. I, 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 yeah, I, I think like everybody. No, that's, but like, for instance, the, uh, the COGS that we have, which are the midweek home study groups. Um, it's, it's been difficult to have like, you know, people in Long Beach host one of those because a lot of the people who would host it don't live in Long Beach. Yeah. Um, yeah. because we've got a lot of people who were, you know, transient type people and would love to attend one, but they don't have a home. They can't really, 
host it. And, um, and that's, you know, that's an issue. Like Jamie and I have wanted to host one, but we don't live really close enough. I yeah. mean, we're in a totally different community. So, yeah. And what's happened is it's funny because what's happening now is our cogs, you know, cogs for us. When I first got there, I, I, I really laid out to people, look, these aren't home studies. These are meant to be missional communities. And so, um, you know, that, that's been something that it, that's always hard for people to understand. But uh, as we've gone on, what's happened is through this struggle, what you just described, something absolutely beautiful is happening. So, for example, um, as a result of our Christmas outreach, which was in partnership with Starbucks, but serving a uh, women and children's shelter, um, we did a toy drive and we went and visited. They had the uh, the meetup places at Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks sponsored it. We uh, came back for the after party. Um, they provided all the the food and drinks, and um, you know they were happy to, to to be a part of something done in the community to to, to help women and children. And uh, what's come out of that now is that Starbucks owner, I mean the Starbucks manager, is now seeing us not as a leech on society, but a benefactor, a servant of the community. And so now what's happened is uh, the Starbucks manager has offered the use of Starbucks. For our recovery group, our recovery meeting now directly across the street uh, in Long Beach off 7th and Park. There's a, uh, some of you guys know Wilson High School. That's where Dangerous Minds, that movie with Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, that's the school uh, diagonal across the intersection from the park we meet at. And then just in between us, nestled in between us on the other corner is a Starbucks. And so our recovery ministry is coming out of that. Not only that, we've never had anything like a women's study. Church has been up and going for, for a couple of years now as church plant. And we've just never seen the need for a women's study. Well, guess what? Now that we are reaching out to a women's shelter, suddenly there's a need. You know, what if we did a women's ministry in the women's shelter? And so our cogs, you know, for us, we were never happy just to have cogs. You know, we were always kind of like, they have to be missional. They have to have a point and they have to be, somewhere other than just like our goal is, yeah, we'll start in the living room to show people how to do it. But again, contextualization, um, Long Beach is a place of absolute and utter brokenness. And refuge is a place that lives up to its name. It has become a refuge for that kind of brokenness. And so our women's study is starting up in a women's shelter. And I, I can't tell you, man, that's the mic drop for me right there. You know, it reminds me of uh, Nigel, who we had on here, I don't know, man, a year and a half ago, forever ago. And I remember him talking about um, the fact that the ministry that they were involved in, you know, what was that street that they were street on? Street Pastors. St- yeah, street Nigel pastor. Young, but, one I mean, of my best friends, yeah. Right, but the, the area where they were at, like, I mean, it was just a street where everyone got drunk, would come out of the bars. Yeah, it's called and, Wind Street. Yeah. W-I-N-D, wind, like a winding road. But everyone, you know, wine because everyone's just falling down, stumbling out of the door drunk. And so, you know, they were there to help the people get home who were drunk, make sure the girls weren't getting, you know, taken advantage of and stuff like that. And And they would go in and they would help clean up puke clean up bar fights, stuff like that. And what they found was that like their, their ministry 
had a bigger impact on the bouncers and the bartenders than it did on the people they were helping. And, and that's kind of what, what that story reminds me of is, you know, helping out the women's shelter, but yet who does it really affect? It affects the manager of Starbucks. Cause he's like, wow, man, look at this. So, I mean, to me, it's just kind of amazing when you see all the different ways that what we can do, who it can affect and, and things like that. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to hear a little bit more about kind of what, uh, uh, um, Pete, Pete was sorry, saying about Pete, Nigel. I'm, I'm looking at Facebook as I'm talking, but uh, as because I want to post this. If you want to know what what Pete's talking about, I've just posted um, the pictures of uh, what Pete's talking about. It's a description of of how it gets on a Friday night um, in Wales. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm writing. If you listen to our podcast, this is what Pete talked about. There we go. Boom. Well, it won't get done if I don't do it now, right? <laughs> Pete's looking at me like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> this is a hey, podcast. Hey, we're, we're an amateur podcast, right? We're not, we're not, you know, like all those guys, you know, whoever they are. You know, it's funny. I'm listening to podcasts a lot right now. And I'm just finding podcasts are are awesome because people are real. I still think the church and Christianity and, and uh, most of the religious podcasts, they still don't get it. They still don't get that this is you in the raw. No. This is you just as you are, just being who you are. The the religious I'll, ones are I'll, really formal. I'll tell you what really bothers me. I mean, and this 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 irks me a lot. When I see guys who uh, – either talk about Christians, Christianity, uh, Jesus, like, you know, he, like they're frankly, like they're one of us. And yet I know they're saying what they're saying purely to sell product because they're like, like, I'll, I'll give you an example. There's this one guy and I was watching his video and, and he's like showing, he's like the number one, uh, podcast under religion. You know, he's right next to Joel Olstein and like someone else, um, I, I can't even remember who it was. And yet like the very next line and he's talking about how we got to be men and good Christian men. And he starts dropping the F bomb and, and I'm like, dude, who is this? I'm not saying. Oh, you who can't it say. Is. Okay. <laughs> but my point is, is like, I like it bothers me because yeah, I yeah. know that they're saying, you know, the whole Christian line. It's like, Oh dude, these Christians, man, they, they buy into this stuff and they spend money and, you know, I just got to be one of them and I got to show them how to be a real man. And, and it's like, it's not legit. Like it's so not legit. I'm not saying you can't cuss and be a Christian. I'm the perfect example of a guy who does not follow that one, but I'm also not doing it in the middle of a, you know, hey, I'm going to show you what it's like to be a Christian. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, in any way gloss over my own sinful, uh, you know, imperfections by any means or, or make them sound like they're nothing. But, um, yeah, it's not it something where you're just like, going to like rush out on the podcast and start like, it's, I'm it's not trying struggle. to brag about it. Like, yeah, it's a struggle. It's if I cuss, it. I'm not happy about cussing because yeah. I've been in that place in my life where I was like, I don't care, you know, cussing, whatever. 
I don't, I, it's not something I'm proud of. And he's doing it as a matter of being proud. Hey, look, I'm cussing from the stage. I'm cussing on the podcast. And yeah, I'm radical. You know, it's, it's funny because, uh, there is a really good book out there. Um, it's called the hole in our holiness. And it, you know, it, it's the same with stuff that people are watching nowadays. Like, you know, no one can be the standard for someone else, but the more crap that our society dishes out, um, you know, we're going to have to at some point kind of decide where's the line? At what stage does watching this become a participation in evil? You know, and, and that's always the, the, the kind of fine line that we've got to walk is in contextualizing culture. Um, we have to uh, like uh, there are shows I would watch that other people can't and vice versa. I'm particularly I, I don't want to see anything sexual or anything that has to, but I can handle violence. Other people are like, Hey, you know, I can't, that's too violent. I can't. And so I think for all of us, you know, like cussing for me, we've talked about this before, but cussing some that my hackles rise cussing was always connected to violence for me growing up. And so when I hear cussing, my adrenaline starts to go just a little bit and I can feel everything tightening. And so when people cuss around me too much, at a certain point, I have to say, hey, you know, like, uh, can you tone that if there's a lot of aggression? I've talked to him about it because it starts bringing And I'm honest. I'm not a Pharisee. I just go, hey, that's really difficult for me. I come from a very violent background. And uh, you're tr those words are triggers for me, man. And, you know, I'm not like being a jerk about it. But, um, but yeah, I, I think at a certain stage, uh, we have to, you know, uh, like if we're talking about contextualizing the gospel, um, you, you're not going to uh, lower the standards of, of holiness. Jesus never did that. Jesus never uh, uses cuss words. You know, he's not. Uh, <laughs> now, Paul, the apostle Paul, there is the argument. <laughs> yes, that, he did. You know, in, in Galatians, he's, he's so angry that he does it. But that wasn't, that wasn't typical of Paul. Shows us he's human. Um, but, uh, you know, he, uh, like when he says dung, that was, I, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's an actual cuss word, but I would say that it was very crude. And Paul was making a point that that's how your righteousness is before God. And, uh, so, you know, yeah, I don't know how we got on that subject, but we did. Ah, uh, you took us there. I know I did. And I, I, yeah, I, I actually saw it twice in one week from two different guys. And like one guy wrote it in an email. And he was talking about, I think, cause he, I think he was, he was a marketing guy. Right. And he's like, Oh, look at that. I just said, Merry Christian, like I, or Merry Christmas. I'm supposed to be ashamed because I'm a Christian, blah, blah, blah. And then like the very next line he's cussing. And I'm like, dude, like you just don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> I realized yeah. what you did was for marketing and not because you're really a Christian. Cause you wouldn't be proud of it. You wouldn't be yeah. like, I'm proud that I'm cussing. And literally it was the next line. It was, I was like, this well, is this is where the danger of contextual. I'm really glad you brought this up because this is where the danger of contextualization takes place. And what what we do in America a lot is we forget that, <clears throat> like in America, if you watch American news, it's all about America and everything about America. You move to another part of the world, and when the news comes on, it's about stuff happening all over the world, including your country. And America has this kind of tunnel vision. 
And what America forgets, because of its way of thinking, we're America, we're the, we're the baddest, we're the best, we're the only. Um, what happens is we never look at like what may have happened. Maybe other people have been where we've been. You know, it's like the epitome of just being the proverbial fool where you think you know everything, no one can teach anything. Well, Europe went this way. They were a lot more on fire for God than we are. Um, it, it infiltrated, the gospel infiltrated far more sectors of European society than it ever has and for a lot longer than it has in America, right? I mean, it actually, you know, there was the Holy Roman Empire. There was, I mean, you you know, you had, you had all kinds of stuff going on in Europe and for a lot longer of a period. So when we talk about um, this secularization and postmodernism, that's happening in America very rapidly, but it happened ages ago, 60, 70 years ago. It started in the First World War. It picked up speed after the Second World War. And when you look at Britain, what happened? They went through the same thing, where as soon as they started losing uh, numbers in the churches, they started compromising the message. They started trying to be hip and reach people where they're at. And uh, there's lots of stories you can read about guys like going on and, you know, they'd start doing all the stuff that, that uh, they would see people in the, in the culture doing and, and using the language and on and on. This all has happened before. And what it did is it made things worse. Because now, rather than having a contrast of who Jesus was and holiness and what holiness was, the church watered it down so that it, it's almost like undoing the work of the law. Remember that before the gospel, God set a high standard called the law and said, you can't reach this. Instead, what the church does, it starts abolishing the law, getting rid of the concept of holiness because it feels, oh, holiness is unattractive. No, the law is meant to drive you to grace. And so what the, what, what the guys do nowadays, and quite frankly, a lot of the guys that I hear preaching nowadays, they don't know their Bible. You know, they, they might be able to get up there and talk, but they have, they don't understand theology. They don't understand historical theology, systematic theology, or biblical theology. I'm sorry, man. That just totally reminded me of Donald Trump. What's your favorite <laughs> Bible verse? Well, I think that's a very personal question that shouldn't be shared in public. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. But, uh, you know, it, 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 that's what's happening. And so what, what we're seeing today, we're just following suit. That is not contextualization. That's just changing the message. It's not adapting the message of the gospel. It's actually changing the message of the gospel. And that's what we have to be careful not to do when we're seeking to uh, contextualize. Yep. Yep. I dig it. That's probably a good place to stop, Mr. Mitchell. I think it's a perfect place to stop. <laughs> so uh, go on. I was just going to ask you a little question. Why do you sound drunk when you're asking me this? Because I have to be I'm drunk. I'm going to ask you a question. To keep asking this question. I ask it to you on every podcast. You can't even ask it in your normal voice anymore. You've asked it so many times. Tell me, Peyton. Sure, do you Pete. consider yourself a math pastor? Definitely not. I think we established already that numbers frighten me. I think we did as well. So tell me, how have you been handling... The, the whole tax receipts for last year. How have you been doing that for all your church members? I haven't. What? 
SimplifiedChurch.com has been doing it for me. What do you mean, SimplifiedChurch.com? What have they been doing for you? All we do is we report to them what's come in and who's given what, and they get everything prepared for us for the IRS, and we don't even have to think about it. What? <laughs> they also help you out with all of your monthly bookkeeping and accounting needs? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have broken the sound barrier with that one. Yes. What about insurance, workers' comp, payroll tax? Done. Dusted. No. Oh, yeah. Are they taking on new clients? All the time, baby. And they were started by church planners for church planners, and their prices are very affordable. Where do I go to find more about this magical business that takes care of all the stuff I don't like? Well, Pete... Let me take the mystique and magic out of it for you there, pal. It's SimplifyChurch.com. Let them simplify your church.com. And with that, I think we're done. Hey, guys, thanks for joining us for the uh, Church Planner Podcast. If you want to leave us a review today, we want to give you a special gift. We're going to give you a free ebook by David Allerton, Ministry on the Move. It is a classic on mobile and apostolic church planning ministry. We're going to give you that, but here's what you got to do. You got to go over to iTunes. You have to leave us a review, preferably a five-star review. And after you take a little snapshot, a little picture, a little screenshot of your review, either communicate with us via tweet, tweet it at us, or leave it on Facebook, tagging me and Pete, or putting it on the Church Planner uh, uh, Facebook page, and we will send that to you. Awesome. Well, hey, this has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going, contextualize it, and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Church